Hey everybody, before we get started, there's no reviews, but if you want to leave a five-star review on iTunes, the podcast app, whatever they call it, go do that, leave a comment, I'll read it here uh, in this blank spot. Right there is where it would have been read. Uh, I'm about to go do comedy. I'm going to Cleveland this weekend, Hilarities, April 1st through the 4th, uh, one show each night, 7 p.m., socially distanced, COVID precautions. Uh, go to ZoltanComedy.com to get the website. And this is a brand new show uh, that I just got booked, Kansas City. I've never worked Kansas City before. I've been to Kansas City. I've always wanted to do comedy in Kansas City. But now I'm actually going to get to perform in Kansas City, Missouri, April 8th through the 10th at the Comedy Club of Kansas City. Uh, get those tickets ASAP. I don't know what Missouri is doing about social distancing. Um, if that's a concern, uh, definitely give the club a call. I know Cleveland Hilarities is doing something about it, but I don't know. I don't know if Missouri is like a Florida state or if it's like a California state. It's weird. Every place I travel to, it's different. Uh, and I'm going to talk about that in this week's episode. But April 8th through the 10th, I will be in Kansas City. Uh, this week, April 1st through the 4th, Cleveland. And I just booked something in June in Seattle. So I'll be there in Seattle, working on Texas, working on every place else. How about that? I'm trying. I'm trying to get back at it. Other than that, uh, I keep posting stuff on my YouTube. I'm a YouTuber now. Even as the world's going back to normal, I'm still sticking to YouTube. If you haven't already, go subscribe to my channel. It's Zoltan Cassis. You type in my stupid name in the search thing, and I should come up. Modern Mail is over 2 million views. Thank you very much. Uh, Dancing with Drunks, the old special from 2015 or 2016. I don't even remember when I recorded it. That one's doing well. It's got like 300,000 views or something. And uh, I keep filming these vlogs from my travels. I'm going to be doing it in Cleveland, doing it in Kansas City. So keep an eye out for all that. And that's also where you can support. If you want to support as they do with Patreons and all that. I don't have a Patreon, but what you can do is join my YouTube channel. Uh, there's three different tiers. One's like $2, the other one's $5, and the last one's 10 bucks. Whatever you want to give. And if that is nothing, that's totally cool. I still love you. I'm fine. But if you want to support, you can do it that way. Other than that, what are we still talking about? Let's do the show. Hit the music. Let's get into it. This week in Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Welcome to This Week in Zoltan. This is episode 321 coming at you on a beautiful day. It's Tuesday. I know what day it is. I'm flying tomorrow. Uh, and I was just outside making recycling fit into a can adult stuff you know you know that stuff like when you were growing up as a kid and you're like why is that guy so mad why is that adult just grumbly well you don't know what he dealt with maybe he just paid his taxes maybe he paid his bills maybe uh he just spent 45 minutes trying to jam a hundred pounds worth of recyclables into a can that can hold about 10 pounds I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but for since I've moved into this new place, I couldn't get the trash guys to take my recycling. And I thought, like, no one tells you. You know, I've lived in San Diego my whole life. I thought you just put the cans in, out on the street. I know they can't be on the sidewalk. If they're touching the sidewalk, the trash guys will drive right by. You have to put them in the street. So I knew that much. 
but I didn't know that the lid has to be fully closed for them to even take it. I had no idea because I used to live a few streets over and you could overfill it where like the cans kind of open. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's like talking at you. They'll still take it because why wouldn't they? That would make no, no sense. Like, hey, the lid's cracked open. How can we take that? I don't know. You drive a giant truck with arms. You don't even get out of the damn thing unless you got to pull a dumpster over. You just get robot arms that come in and pick it up and dump it. I doubt the robot arms care if the lid is ajar, but apparently they do, at least on this street. So uh, they haven't picked up my recycling since I've moved in. And you know what it's like when you move into a new place. You got to buy new furniture and new stuff. You got a bunch of boxes. So I have a collection of boxes outside. Uh, and I don't know. I, they don't fit anywhere. They don't fit anywhere. I had two. I, they were jammed open and they haven't been taking my recycling. I didn't know why. I would just cuss at people that I've never met. I would watch it. One of the weeks I watched them skip it. And I just came out shaking my arms like a lunatic, and they just drove off, and we figured it out. We figured it out, Emma went on the website, and they're like, oh, they won't pick it up if the lid's ajar. And I'm like, that's the dumbest, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So, and they don't come every week, all right? This is, uh, it's every two weeks for recycling, so there is a lot of recyclable things in my trash. That's what you forced me to do. You wouldn't take my recycling? All right, well, then now it's in the trash. You're going to take it then? That's what I have to do. I got like 8,000 boxes out there. It's just a fire hazard. I don't know. It's not even a fire hazard. It's just upsetting. But now I get it. It took all these years. When I was a kid, I'm like, why is that man so upset? Probably because the trash guy won't take his recycling. And he's just storing it. And his OCD's bothering him. Every time he goes outside, he just sees a mountain of cardboard. And it, 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 uh, it's hurting his heart. And he just wants the trash guys to take it. And I bet you, because I'm going to be on the road this week, so Emma's going to have to take the trash out. And I bet you they're going to find another reason not to take it. I just spent a lot, 45 minutes out there making sure the lid's flush. I'm like, everything's good. Perfect. Grand. And then they're going to find a reason not to take it, which is insane because I think we pay for it. Why do trash guys act like they're doing us a favor? Everything has to be perfect for them. Everything has to be, don't have, don't have it be on the sidewalk. It needs to be in the street. Don't put them too close together because our robot arms need to come in and grab them. Oh, it makes no difference that once we put it down, we'll throw it wherever. It'll be knocked over. We'll punch a hole through you. The can itself will say it's your fault. They act like they're doing us a favor. But we're totally paying I think there's a bill that comes. I'm pretty sure there's a check that gets written or direct deposited or something. I'm pretty sure there's not a bunch of Eagle Scouts coming by during Christmas time taking our Christmas trees away for healthy recycling. These are, these are people getting paid handsomely. I think they get paid pretty good. I've heard. I've heard Trash Guy is probably one of the better jobs you can get uh, without a degree, which that's me. So I feel like I'm me and the trash guy, we're on the level, you know, similar, and they just they just won't take it. And I didn't know I was going to start the podcast with this ramp. I didn't know I was going to spend 45 minutes in the sun trying to make a bunch of, like, I'm just stomping on cardboard. Do you know how embarrassing that is? <laughs> I'm just like, I have my scissors, but then there's some boxes that don't have a seam. They like overlapped it and glued it and put metal staples in it. I can't cut through that with scissors. 
Who am I? Yeah, I look like a caveman out there trying to invent the wheel, but I'm not the one that did it, you know? You know that one image of the, the caveman inventing the wheel? How many other cavemen tried and failed and they just ended up with squares going, well, this doesn't roll at all. I'm one of those cavemen when I was out there just jumping up and down on cardboard boxes trying to get them to flatten out and compact it into a cube. That's my life, and I'm very blessed for it. I know there's people that uh, deal with way worse, and I know that because I've been watching documentaries, and I'm convinced that there are no happy documentaries. I, there are very few. I've been on a documentary kick for the last year, and every time I watch one, I never feel better about my life or the world or my place. It's never uplifting. It's not like watching a Disney movie where you're done and you're like, I, I, I got to go adopt a dog. It's just, you just, it, uh, doom and dread is what I feel after watching every documentary. Watching a documentary is like walking down the street and some guy coming up to you going, hey, did you hear about this? Do you know about this? Let me show you this. It's going to be beautifully shot, but you're going to feel hopeless and horrible. And at the end, we're going to say there's no way of fixing it. And we're just going to send you on your way. This is a, documentaries are like a sad uncle, twice divorced living almost in a garage and he just comes by and goes hey do you know in 20 years we're running out of water oh my god what can we do about it nothing it's happening you know who's helping the most who vegans really i don't like vegans i know they're doing the most because they're not eating beef because it costs so much water to raise cows because they eat alfalfa and so if you're eating a hamburger you're pretty much wasting like 80 gallons of water per hamburger so the vegans are doing the most okay is there anything else you can do about it? No. Even the vegans aren't going to help this downward spiral. Enjoy the rest of your day. And then we're just out there. Every time I watch a documentary, I just feel like I found out a family member died. And, and now i got to go live my life. So I get it. We need more uplifting ones. Sometimes they're not depressing but they're also not that upsetting. Like I watched that one varsity operation varsity blues. This is the one where all the uh, rich parents paid monies to get their dumb kids into hard schools. And maybe it's cause I didn't go to college, but I don't think it's that who gives a, I don't care. Do you care? Like they showed this compilation video of all these students. That's how the documentary started. All these regular students, not rich kid students, just you and me people, right? And they're trying to get into like Berkeley or Duke or, you know, one of these schools that you see like uh, playing in the final four. And, uh, and they're so stressed out about getting into a school. And then when they get in, whether they get in or they don't, they cry. It's either tears of joy or tears of despair but both seem like a loss. Like even when they get in, they're like, hell yeah, I'm gonna get to pay 150 grand, maybe more, maybe a little less to go to a school. It's so weird. It's like you were chosen to start your life in debt and you're stoked about it. It's such a weird thing. And maybe I'm not connecting to it because I never went to college and it's not that I don't see the benefit of school. It's just, uh, I hated high school. And there's no way I would pay for more. And I know that's not what you're supposed to tell the youth. 
But that's what this documentary taught me. All these rich parents were paying this guy a lot of money to get their dumb kid into a school they shouldn't be in by saying they played a sport they didn't play. And then they got busted for it, and then they went to prison. It seems weird. Is I didn't even know that was illegal. I bet you they didn't know it was illegal. I watched the documentary. They kind of didn't know. They asked a couple times. They're like, is this legal? And they're like, well, I mean, no one's going to find out, which is a way of saying it's not legal. But... It was it that bad? I don't. The, the the girl from Full House sent her dumb kid to uh, to go to USC. She didn't even want to go. She had a successful YouTube channel. She's probably more famous than her own mother in the YouTube world. And then they sent her to the school she shouldn't go to because she does. She's you know she's like maybe she's dumb as a sack of rocks. And then they sent her to the school. I doubt she did well. And she was doing great on YouTube. She was making more money on YouTube than it would have cost to go to this damn school anyway. And it's, I think that was the moral of the story. Stop trying to go to these schools. Start a YouTube channel. And just be the next Jake Paul. You get to knock out a basketball player. I, I think that was the only documentary I've seen recently that didn't leave me sad. Or depressed. It just kind of left me like, who, who cares? Who cares? Yeah, rich people find ways to go around the system so their kids have a better advantage. Yeah, I get it. But what about the poor kids struggling to get into the school? They should go to a better school. They said it over and over again in that documentary. Going to USC, you're not getting a better education there than you are at whatever the hell state college that that costs you know a quarter of the price to go to that nobody wants to go to. You're not getting a better education. It's just like having an iPhone over an Android or a, or a Honda Accord instead of a Tesla. You're still stuck on the freeway. You're in the same position that the guy next to you with no door handles is. You're both stuck in traffic. Go to USC, go to a state college. You're still going to be stuck in debt trying to figure out a way to pay it off. Except one of them is going to take, you know, 10 years longer. But I guess you get to, you know, for the Instagram, you're like, oh, look at this. You, you know you can wear a sweater from a school you didn't go to? Did you know that? I have a bunch of sweaters from a bunch of schools I never attended because I perform there. And I wear them. And people come up to me like, oh, did you go to Boise State? I'm like, I told jokes there. Oh, did you go to St. John's in somewhere outside of Minneapolis? No. I mean, I was there for a day. I performed for some students. They gave me a check. They gave me a sweater. And uh, then I got drunk at the Courtyard Marriott. I don't, I don't know, I guess. Just stop. Just go to a regular school. You don't have to go, isn't that cooler? You know? Instead of having the USC sweater that everybody has, wouldn't you rather have like Ball State? or <laughs> just some, you know, San Jacinto Community College. Isn't that a cooler sweater? It's a lot more hipster. I got a literary degree from San Diego Community College. I don't know. I think it's better that way. Um, I think I had a conversation with one of these literary geniuses. Uh, I don't know what's been going on. I don't know if you guys have tried to catch an Uber recently. I think Uber's done. 
I think Uber Eats and Postmates and all that, I think it's over. I think like the people that used to drive for them, either COVID killed them or because like they quit and now they got better jobs. I don't know, but you can't get anywhere. I, uh, I had to catch an Uber to the airport two weeks ago and I scheduled it the night before, like pick me up at 5 a.m. And they said it's gonna cost 20 bucks. And then I wake up and they're like, there's no cars available. Uh, we got these other ones and it's $70. So I ended up paying $70 to go to the airport. And it's because they don't have any drivers. They have very few drivers. And then a few days later, uh, we ordered Popeye's chicken and Popeye's is down the street and it took an hour to show up and it was cold. Meaning it wasn't Popeye's. Popeye's made it in 10 minutes like they always do, probably less. It's just they didn't have any drivers so it took an hour for it to get here. It shows up cold. We complained to the app. I went on Twitter because it says you can, we tried to call, but they put you on hold for an hour. And they're like, you can uh, complain through Twitter. And so I was direct messaging the Twitter guy. And all they did was they're like, we can give you a $5 refund. And I'm like, but it was a $35 meal. And he goes, well, I'm sorry, this is the most we can do. And I'm like, well, it doesn't seem right. You know, you should probably refund all of it because all of it's cold. And what was the quote that he used? He said, I was like, can I talk to somebody else? And he wrote, because I tweeted this, you have reached the highest form of escalation, which was, I, I'd never heard any, I've never heard anyone say that. Where is this guy? Here we go. You have reached the highest form of escalations. That was his response to, and who else can I talk about this matter? He goes, uh, you're getting $5. I write, I'm not accepting the $5 credit. I want a full refund. No further action will be taken here. Our apologies, Zoltan. And then I wrote, and who else can I talk to about this matter? You have reached the highest form of escalations. This is the job that you will get if you waste your time at USC. All right, there's enough film directors, there's enough everybody. This is someone who went to school, got a, a degree in literary sciences, I'm gonna be an author, at whatever the hell he went to Duke, he went to Notre Dame to be the next Charles Bukowski, and now the only job he could get was customer service via Twitter for Postmates, and he has to deal with me and my cold chicken complaint. And he's just over there going, you have reached the highest form of escalations. And I, to which I responded, really? Twitter DMs is the highest form? And then no mas. Because I think I reminded him where he worked. And then he got sad. And I'm not knocking this man for working and having a job. We all have jobs. Everyone's doing something. I'm not even mad at him. I'm mad at Postmates. He's just the guy that has to tell me that they're going to bend me over. You know, he's not the one actually doing it. The highest form of escalations. I'm telling you, don't waste time in college. I, I, had a kid, I had a kid reach out. He's 12 years old, and he wants to be a stand-up comedian. He asked me for advice. He's like, what would be your number one advice uh, you know, for me because I'm starting in stand-up? And normally, I think I would have said something, you know, like the traditional, like, go to college, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you guys, and I, I, I cut it. I'm not saying that to anyone anymore. I'm not, I'm not giving that advice because I didn't do it and all my friends that did owe a lot of money and none of them work in the field that they went to school for 
And the jobs that they had, I think they could have got without it. I'm going to be honest with them. And I was. I was like, you want to get good at stand-up? You have to do it all the time. You have to get on stage as much as possible. It's like getting good at push-ups. And then I wrote, best of luck, uh, Zoltan. And he, he responded, thank you. And I was like, that documentary, Operation Varsity Blues, has changed my whole perception on college. Like, it's, it's a sweater. It's designer clothing. And you can, and it doesn't get you a job. But you still owe the money. It still costs all of it. And uh, it doesn't promise you anything. Just start a YouTube channel, kid. That should have been my advice. I might reach out to that 12-year-old again. You got to do it a lot and then start a YouTube channel. Don't go to college. Who am I? I'm just out here giving bad advice or the best advice. I don't even know what kind of advice I'm getting or giving. Um, speaking of businesses, I was on Twitter and there's a big boycott going on. I don't know if you guys are boycotting. Um, and I'm all into power to the people and blah, blah, blah. And I guess in Georgia, they came up with some laws on uh, that, that would suppress vote voter turnout i don't know it's good they're trying to make it harder to vote in the state of georgia i'm sure it has to do with the last presidential elections and here's the thing i didn't read the articles i don't know anything about it i just know that the backlash to it was they found out certain companies that are based in georgia uh, supported these voter suppression bills and those companies are delta and and coca-cola so they were trending last week saying boycott delta boycott coca-cola and i'm all for boycotting coke i'm not a big coca-cola guy anyway so that's cool uh i'm not, i'm 50 50 on polar bears so like whatever about uh about coca-cola but delta i got 88,000 delta miles i'm a gold medallion member can like you know can we pick someone else and also are these boycotts working because you know what this generation has? A short attention span. We will trend something on Twitter for a day. If it's really important, two days. If it's like the biggest thing, three days. But boycotts aren't going to make a difference in one to three days. Our generation's short attention span and boycotting a business to hurt their bottom line so they change their idea on a vote or who they support or way that, where they send their monies... Uh, more than three days will be needed. It's not going to work. Boycotts aren't going to happen. You know what's going to work? You just got to vote yourself. And you're like, how do we not support these companies? I don't know. You can fly Spirit Airlines if you want, but I'm not going to. My ass will be on a Delta flight. Why? Because they sometimes upgrade me to first class. And then I feel like Ric Flair. And that's hard to compete with. You're like, what about voter suppression in Georgia? I, I also don't live there. I know that's the most selfish take on the planet, but I I don't live there. I hope uh, that bill doesn't go through and everyone's allowed to vote. I think voting is very important. Everyone should, you know, have their opportunity to do so, to let their voice be heard. Yes, yes, and yes. Also, I don't live there and I have 88,000 Delta miles, so I am not boycotting anything. Also, you're telling me to boycott Delta. I booked these flights weeks before, all right? I'm flying Delta tomorrow. But I bought that flight two months ago. So when I'm supposed to cancel these flights and go on United, that's the airline they dragged the doctor out of. Remember that? A couple years ago, they dragged that, that doctor off and they beat him up. 
And then they made everyone forget about it because they started serving Stroop waffles on their flight. That's how they won me back. That's what every company does. Subway had Jared with the pedophilia. And then everyone's like, no more Subway until they came out with the rap. And then I came back because raps are good. My point is I'm flying Delta. I will, uh, I won't drink Coke, but I already wasn't. So I'm with you there. I'm all for boycotts that don't impede me, you know? That was very selfish to say. I felt like I was on standing on Mount Olympus talking down to everybody. I will not participate in your boycott. Uh, what else happened? Oh, some wrestling news. I know you guys are big pro wrestling fans. Uh, if you don't know, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. Uh, Hall of Fame is coming around because WrestleMania season, and then they have a wrestling Hall of Fame. And there's a guy, uh, Rob Van Dam, who is going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. He was one of my favorite wrestlers growing up. I actually got to meet him. I don't know if I, I think I've told this story on the podcast, but it was like back in 2009, they were trying to come up with like a, a there's a, they, they did a pilot for a TV show, kinda. It was a very rough looking pilot. Um, but it was kind of like the extreme version of the gong show. So these comedians would go up and then when they weren't doing well, these wrestlers would come up and like beat them up and throw them off the stage. And so I got invited to this. I was very new in comedy. I didn't ask enough questions. That's something you learn. I think the more you do anything, you learn to ask more questions. But the dude that was running it hit me up. He's like, Hey man, I know you're a wrestling fan. Uh, we're doing this pilot with these wrestlers. Do you want to be a part of it? I'm like, hell yes. And they told me the concept of the show, and I was like, hey, man, I don't want to get beat up or anything. And they're like, no, we're going to do something where, like, they throw you off camera, and then we hear all this clanging like you got your ass kicked, but no one's going to touch you. And I was like, okay. So then I showed up. Uh, we filmed this at the Ontario Improv, which is in California, Riverside County. I show up, and then uh, the wrestlers show up. Rob Van Dam, Sabu, Sandman was there. Uh, someone else, and um, these are guys I grew up watching, like as a teenager, you know. And here I am, a few years later, like these are my heroes. This is so awesome. And then I they walk in, and they're like, one of the first questions, like who's uh, who's getting hit with the chair and put through the table. And then they pointed at me, like the guy who booked me. He's like that guy. He uh, he's up for it. And I was like, what? I was too young to say no, you know. I was like nineteen or twenty, maybe twenty one. I was pretty young. And I didn't know how to say no, so I was like, I guess. And then there, and then they didn't tell me anything. All they told me was they're like, hey, we're gonna run on stage during your set. I'll be, this is Rob Van Dam talking. He's like, it's gonna be me and Sabu, and we're gonna toss a chair back and forth, and then I'm gonna throw it in your face. And then we're gonna lay you on the table, and then uh, Sabu's gonna like, uh, I'm gonna pick up Sabu and leg drop you uh, through the table that you're laying on. And that was all the information. I don't even think they used that many words to tell me. I think they pretty much said, we're going to run on stage, hit you with the chair, and put you on the table, put you to the table. And uh, I remember having questions like, because the front row was super close. And I'm like, you're going to throw a metal chair at my face? What if it like uh, bounces off and hits someone in the front row? And they're like, Rob Van Dam was like, yeah, that could happen. And I was like, okay. That that night I learned that there's not that much preparation into these like wrestling things that happen. They just kind of talk about it. But if anyone goes, hey, what if this happens? They just kind of go, yeah, I guess that's a possibility. 
Yeah, some someone eating uh, fried cheese in the front row might take a metal chair to the mouth. You know, if it bounces off your skull, it could ricochet into someone's cocktail. Uh, but we don't we don't worry about that. And by the way, these weren't special chairs. They just went to Home Depot. They went to Home Depot and bought steel chairs, like folding chairs, and then uh, and a table. And they weren't. They were just regular stuff. <laughs> and they and they they didn't give me any information. So like, I'm super nervous. And the first two comics that went on before me, they were, they bombed, and they just chased them off. Then it's my turn. Uh, and then right before I go on stage, I'm very nervous, and I go up to Rob Van Dam. He's stoned. He's on another planet. His eyes are this big. And I sit down next to him, and I go, hey, hey man, uh, I'm about to go on. He goes, yeah, dude. And I'm like, hey, I was thinking when you throw this chair at my face, should I uh, try to slow it down with my hand? And he, he kind of, he's like all high. He's like, that's a good idea. And that's that was all they said to me. And then I'm like, good Lord. So now I'm on stage and I'm supposed to bomb so they can come up and wreck me. But I didn't want to bomb. I'm like, I'm not going to bomb. I'm going to do my best. So I do my best jokes. The crowd's laughing. And then the wrestlers show up and the crowd's like, what's going on? Like, he's actually good. Also, I should note that these weren't wrestling fans. These were just like comedy people coming to watch a comedy show. And they're like, what the hell is happening? So, like, while they're beating me up, like, there's, it's not like a wrestling show where they're like, woo, you smashed his brains out. They were like, good God, what are you doing to that poor man, that poor boy? He's good at comedy. Why are you giving him a hard time? And uh, so they show up, and they start doing the chair thing, and then he just whips it into my face. And he threw it so fast that I couldn't, I didn't have time to put my hand up. And it hit me in the face, and there was a white flash, and then snot flew out of my nose. That's how hard he hit me with this thing, that, like, snot, I wasn't sick, I wasn't getting over a cold, it just, it was like, this mucus came from, like, my brain, I don't know where it came from, it was, like, deep in my face, comes flying out, and then I fall, and then I remember he grabs me, and he's like, he kind of whispers, are you okay, and I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, I don't even think I responded. I was like, what just happened? And then they put me on the table and then he picks up Sabu and leg drops me in the back of Sabu's leg, hits me right in the face. Uh, and then I just, I just remember the crowd going, good God, like they were not happy about this. And then <laughs> uh, afterwards I had a concussion. I think this was like my first like real concussion. Cause I had like blood, my eyes were bloodshot afterwards and, uh, I had a headache and I was very irritable the rest of the night, but I, did, I found out later that's what a concussion is. I ended up just, uh, you know, going to my friend's house and sleeping on the couch. Um, but I was in the green room and Sabu, who, if you don't know Sabu, if you've ever watched, uh, the wrestler with Mickey Rourke, he's the wrestler, you know, he's older, he has scars all over his body. He's in very rough shape. Uh, his boots were like duct taped. He's been he's had a he's had a rough go of it, and uh, you know and he never talked to me all day. We were there for like six seven hours. He never talked to me. Then we're back in the green room, and he's like, 
and he's laughing. And he goes, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, what's up? And he goes, whose snot was that everywhere? I'm like, that was mine. And then he goes, oh, man, I knew Rob was going to hit you that hard. And I'm like, yeah, hilarious, you know? And uh, and then he goes, well, that was fun. It was good to work with you. If you guys if you want to come back to the hotel, uh, we're going to be partying back there. And then he does, like, a quick mimic of, like, a cocaine snort and then pills dropping into his mouth. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds amazing. I'll be right there. And then I just, of course, I didn't go. Uh, it was so weird. I grew up that day. There's very, like, there's these moments, I think, in everyone's life where you grow up, and I got to meet my, like, childhood heroes, and I realized, oh, they're just stoned, and they do a lot of drugs, and there's not a lot of preparation, which maybe makes the art of pro wrestling that much more fascinating for me, the fact that they are just these wild men out there, you know? Maybe not the generation now, now they're a bunch of CrossFit guys, but the generation prior, and all the generations before, like, they were just carnies. Just carnies that love to drink and party, do drugs, and entertain a crowd with their bodies. Uh, and they didn't care if someone in the front row got a corn dog smashed <laughs> into their face. But anyway, Rob Van, I don't, this is the weirdest uh, congratulations, but big fan of Rob Van Dam. Love his work. He's going to the Hall of Fame of Wrestling, very much deserves it. And uh, that was the story, I guess, when I got smashed in the face by a Hall of Famer. I should, I'll definitely play the video, because I have a video of it. Maybe I can put it up here in the corner. I hope I can. I remember watching the video, and the chair shot didn't look that devastating, but it gave me a concussion knocked the snot out of me. Uh, and the table looked way more painful. And it still hurt, but not, not as much. Um... Is that all I had to say? I think that's all I had to say. I think that's all I have to say to you. Uh, go see me live. I'm going to be in Cleveland this week, April 1st through the 4th. Like I said, April 8th through the 10th, I'm in Kansas City. Uh, for other shows, go to ZoltanComedy.com. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, I think that's it. Live your life. Be happy. We're all going to die one day, so smile as much as you can before they throw dirt in your face. Huh? That's positive. All right. Good night, everybody. And good night to you.